This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. The time has come. After more than seven years of silence, Demu Borger marked their epic return with their new full-length album, Eonian, due out on May 4th via Nuclear Blast. Vocalist Shagrath has stated that Eonian represents the illusion of time. Everything that is and always has been. It also marks the 25th anniversary of Demu Borgir. And the album itself is a tribute to their own history in the Norwegian black metal history. Exclusive mail order editions, vinyls, cassettes, and imports of Eonian can be found now at NuclearBlast.com. Once again, NuclearBlast.com. <laughs> It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Metal Sucks Podcast. Hello, everybody. I am your host, Petter Speich. I am always joined by... My friends call me Brandon Gooch Hahn, and you can reach me on Twitter at your buddy Gooch. And on Instagram, also at your buddy Gooch. And... Jocelyn Sharp. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jocelyn Sharp. You were nowhere near as professional as I was. <laughs> <laughs> and hi, guys. I am on Twitter, Facebook, at Rise to Offend. This week, guys, we are interviewing James Monteith, guitarist of Tesseract. New album, Sonder, is out right now. And as always, guys, before we get to the interview, we'd love to talk about the Metal Sucks News uh, story. We, we, uh, we enjoyed ourselves this week because we did talk about Ja Travolta and Fred Durst making this movie a little bit earlier, but did we have any idea that John Travolta would be this passionate about Fred Durst as the director? Let me read what he said when asked what it was like working with Fred Durst. Maybe my favorite experience I've had. He's so generous and such an artist, and he allowed me to create a character that no one else would allow. I mean, it's really a wild character, and I felt very free to do that. Now, what is that answer? Uh, it's like uh, generic words that mean nothing. Yeah, uh, I would have been more impressed if he would have been like, uh, "I'm like a chainsaw, and I'll work your ass raw." <laughs> give me something to break. Hey, give me something to break. <laughs> Thanks, Johnny. Johnny it's, T. I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like he's crazy. You can't be in Scientology that long and not end up crazy. It don't matter what he says. Well, have you ever watched that? Have you watched that Leah Remedy show? I have not. Oh, yeah. my. You have seen it? Yes. God. Yeah. Like, the things they do to those people. It is insane. And especially, like, famous people, like, they basically hold them hostage. Yeah. They basically, you, you're not allowed to be yourself. You can't yeah. go out there and, and act out and, and be who you are. You just have to make sure that you fall into this mold or, right. else you're, or else you're labeled a suppressive person. And then you are kicked out. They'll, they'll make you lose your family. Everybody that you love is gone. Yep. You are out. I well, mean, it maybe is that's, brutal. Maybe that says something, though. Maybe him saying that, maybe that's true. Because if you know that he's that crazy in the public eye as a director or a production company, other movies might have been like, you need to tone it the fuck down, right. bro. And then Fred Durst was like, whatever. Do what you want. Be your chocolate starfish right. in your hot dog flavored water. Right. Thank you. <laughs> Do it for the cookie. <laughs> When John Travolta says he's such an artist, <laughs> right. Same. You, you guys just did all your I'm lyrics sorry, right I'm there. Sorry. He's such an artist. Pete, 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 please. Hey, man, wake John up. John Travolta, wake just... up and smell the concrete, please. Come okay. On. Okay, enough. Let's I'm, just keep I'm, rolling. I'm so, ha- rolling, I'm so, rolling. I'm so sorry. I'm so sad I started with this story. 
Because I only got about three of your references. I, I got the role. You obviously didn't like Jinko jeans in junior high like me. Yeah. So Thank you, Pete. I Square. Own, I own $3 bills, y'all. I'll be straight up. Hey, no, everything, that, the everything first else album you guys talked bad. about, the one with Counterfeit, I had that one. The first album wasn't that bad. It was the all the other garbage. <laughs> and I was. bought it because they opened for Faith No More, and I, I got it at the merch booth. And then when I got home, I enjoyed it, though. So I'm not going to talk shit. The point is, is that John Travolta has worked with Brian De Palma, Oliver Stone, Quentin, Quentin Tarantino. Tarantino. I mean... Mike Nichols, the, the list goes on and on of, of the great directors. You can even say John Woo, you know, in a way. <laughs> some, some, some say John Woo get back the, in the day. He's like, get me more dumps. <laughs> now he's just a punchline. Yeah, John Woo. <laughs> he's not a punchline. Yes, he, he is. He's still the director of Face Off in America. Okay. <laughs> no, but in, 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 in Mission Impossible 2. I yeah. dare you to explain the plot of Face Off to anyone from another country and have them not look at you like you're mentally ill. If you explain that plot to someone in Russia, they will think you just said the Bible. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Cut people's face off? Yes. 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 <laughs> makes so let me get this straight. The bad guy, now good guy. Yes. Got it. Okay. This romantic mm-hmm. comedy? <laughs> <laughs> That's, those are probably the only accents you guys can do correctly. Yeah, yeah. Guys, they really are. You guys nailed it. Dos Madonna. I I did just watch Red Sparrow. Okay. I, I, I want to like <laughs> do a Scottish director and see how you can do it. No, don't. No, I you can't even do it. I'm not even going to do it. You'll just go Russian, no. huh? Yeah. It'll, they always end up Russian. That's really all I have is Russia. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe like deep, me, deep Mexican. Me and the mother country. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we got. That's it. That's it. I have that and I have like C. And like, I don't know if you it. noticed, but we also do that accent for Poland and Hungary. And Eastern <laughs> Europe. You guys are all The whole Eastern Europe. Yeah. I do it for Jamaica. Okay. <laughs> Fuck it. I'm going big. I'm going big. No woman, no cry. I put my spin on the things. You see what I mean? You know? Next story. <laughs> Redemption song. Go. All right. Whatever. Wow. We, that, led, that led us somewhere. Who, Usain Bolt. He's fast. You bring up John Travolta and it gets weird. That's how it goes. You bring up Fred Durst and John Travolta, it, it gets, gets real weird. Yeah. Guys, I mean, yeah. that, that, yeah. Is, that is a pack. That's like taking mushrooms for the first time in a trailer park you've never been to before. Weird. Mm-hmm. Damn, that's real specific yeah, exactly. Jesus, no somebody's, somebody's warmed their hands on propane. I learned those Limp Bizkit songs in a very specific night. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> it was your way or the highway. <laughs> and that- I did it all for the nookie. Oh, you, you got enough. Okay, okay sorry. Enough. Next story. Go. <laughs> you oh, guys. this one bums me out, Yeah, though. Jesse Leach, uh, Kill Switch Engage vocalist, is going to need some vocal cord surgery. Now, I think this is a kind of common thing. You don't, I don't hear much about it in the metal world because they're screaming so much. You would think that guys would need the surgery all the time. You don't hear it too often. Do you think that uh, in this day and age that there's something to be concerned when somebody gets some sort of surgery on their voice? Well, obviously, but we have to know like the level, like what's yeah. going on. Like what are they scraping off there? Is it going to be just a polyp or is there going to be like a, right. you know. Is there a whole vocal cord? Is it a tumor? What I mean, how, how serious are is they He's missing re- seven shows and then he's coming back. Well, see, that's well then another it's not thing very too. serious then. And on top of that. Seven it, shows is what, two weeks? It'd be one thing if he wasn't yeah. on tour. It'd be one thing if he wasn't on tour. How many guys have had the surgery that weren't on tour and nobody knew? They're right. It's like, yeah, go out there, fix yourself up and then right. you know and then two years later they go on I have to imagine this is a common need in the metal world well, I should I I had vocal cords I mean I had a I had a polyp uh, cut off my uh cut off, cut out of my my vocal cords yeah, yeah. it was it's it was like, a but it was a in-house procedure I mean it was like it's actually a nodule a nodule outpatient procedure yeah. yeah you had in-house a, procedure I said in-house outpatient <laughs> like an so. in-house wine <laughs> <laughs> Just talking about the 
<laughs> learning Limp Bizkit songs and like mushrooms in a. Or we I made could, you stupider. Yeah. It made me dumber. <laughs> Actually, that whole Limp Bizkit thing you guys did made me much dumber oh. as a human being. <laughs> but yeah, so yours was uh, in-house and. <laughs> That's <laughs> not the right word. Outpatient. Thank you. Yours was outpatient, and you were yeah. good within. No, mine was mine was outhouse. What it was? That's what it was. <laughs> so. Fred Durst did it yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Speaking of outhouse, I made I made a Fred Durst record in the outhouse. Go. <laughs> you know, I had to write. This, this is a, absolutely off topic, but I had to write a paper on the images on outhouses across countries to, and the, what they represented. Did I hate whatever that? teacher did that to you. Yeah, that was a that was a theater class. It was well, a, it was stupid. production design. Yeah, no. no no doubt. I hate it. Did anyway. you learn? I have to have faith. I did learn something. I I personally, as a Killswitch Engage is my favorite band of all time. Anyone who knows me in high school knew that I was obsessed with them. Uh, I have to have faith that Jesse Leach is going to come back. I can't imagine a world without new Killswitch. It's only what? What was it? How many shows again, Pete? Seven. Seven. Come on. That's what I'm saying. It can't can't be that serious. Fine. If it was serious, he'd be like, guys. This is fucked up. I got to go take care of this. I'll see you in 2021 or something. I need that, them that, to keep touring because I need Adam to keep seeing me at shows, fall in love with me so we can run off together and get married. Right on. Wow. You need some lower cut shirts then. Let's do this. Okay. First of all, no, I don't. Yeah, you do. We both know that. <laughs> <laughs> you could go lower. Limbo the shit out of your shirts. Let's go. Adam D's married. I know. That's why I said we we're going to run away together. Oh. Uh, that's how murder happens. You yeah, can't just no, do like, that like, no disrespect to his wife, but her husband's really on me. <laughs> God, that was really creepy. Yeah. Every guy listening right now is like, am I an object? <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Moving on to another guy. Yeah. If we to another object. Go. To another object <laughs> that we talked about, I think, uh, a week or so ago. Uh, System of a Down's Darren Malakian uh, debuted a new song this week from Darren Malakian and the Scars on Broadway. Um, and there is a new record called Dictator, which is going to come out July 20th. So knowing that record's completed, he did say he completed it back in, in 2012. So he's been sitting on this record for a long time um, because obviously he was hoping that System of a Down was going to create a record. So do you think there's still a, a System of a Down record on the side and he just decided to release this? Or do you think this is an actual song that he wrote for System of a Down? He said, fuck it. What oh, do you man. guys think? I, think? I think if you've been sitting on a record for so long, eventually you have to you you probably end up talking to the guys going dude what the fuck i wrote these songs it's not working you're not happy with them i'm taking them you know there has to be that kind of i think that's what happened yeah i think that's what happened i think that's what happened and he's the main songwriter for system of a down so you think that he could just say hey this is a new system of down record but you'd have to get surge to sing on him right or something yeah. that's the and problem he, and he, that's the problem yeah you know? so i mean are you excited for the new scars on broadway like you would a system of down record see i don't know because this is the thing with surge he's got he's got one of the most unique deliveries unique Iconic voices. voices the it tone really of his is. voice is one of a kind it's so i mean you you can listen to that voice for two seconds and you know exactly what band that is so i mean i can't really say that i'm as excited you know what yeah. i mean yeah. and on top of that like i've talked like i've brought up before when you for me, if you make me wait too long and then I get it and my expectations are built that fucking high, mm-hmm. it's probably not going to be what I thought it no, was going to be anyway. I'm with you. There's no system without Surge. It's not this. It, like, it just doesn't work Well, there's for no me. system without any of those guys. I mean, right. all of them bring but something me, to the table. For it, me, it but that's the sound. Right. You know what I mean? It's built around his voice right. and what he can do with it. Mm-hmm. And you guys aren't a fan of Darren's voice. No, it's well, not that I'm not a fan. Okay. Well, I'm just saying, I, I mean, his voice adds to Surge's. Yeah. It but does. But when you see them live and they sing together... 
they, they, it's rare they're both in tune at the same time. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Right. It's rare. You know? I mean, I've heard them kill Chop Suey, and it was amazing, and I heard them butcher Chop yeah. Suey. It's not yeah. that but yeah, that, but that could have been technical. That could have been an earpiece that was that was. It sounds like they try something. to sing over each other. I'll be honest with you. Okay, fair. What, I, you might be right. You might, especially with Darren, though. Like, he has this, he has such a, He's got such a unique thing too, where it's yeah. like, like, but it's weird. It's not like it's not like Surge, where it's like that's a front man. You're listening to, to Darren, and it's kind of like Rob Zombie's the- wife in the House of a Thousand yeah. Corpses. I mean, yes. Yes. yes, yes, yes. It just sounds like somebody's being murdered. Yeah, or goes- murdering. Oh, what? While laughing at a high pitched voice. Okay. Okay. Maniacal. Mani- there you Can go. Can we say he sings maniacally? Yes. That he does sing that maniacally. A, That's dude, a great description. I'm, I got sleep deprivation. I would have thought about that word like five minutes ago. Mani- maniacal. Mal- mal- okay. Again, I can't, maniacally. I was, I was trying to say maniacal and his last name, but I can I can't get past this. No, Malakian. Oops. Malakian. Enough. Enough. Next story, guys. We're touching base on this story because uh, our one of our favorite artists, uh, Derek Hess, Brandon got to interview him. Uh, a couple years back, and then uh, I, in my living room, I have a an original Derek Hess on my wall. He's he's definitely uh, an artist that's through our generation, one of Cleveland's it? favorite sons. There you go, there you go. I love this dude. Yeah, he's the best. He's dude. got he like if you look, jump on his website. Number one, okay. I love I love like concert posters. I love concert posters. I just love and I but not necessarily the concert posters that the band puts out. I just love the concert posters that. They hire like artists to go yeah. out there and do yeah. because then they get to put their own unique spin. They don't have to have their you know this band specific logo right. or to, their sponsor. Or, right, yeah. right. So they just go out there and if you look at, the, now, I don't think he does it anymore. He doesn't make band posters anymore. This is when he was just starting out. But my God, like some of those posters are super talented, so awesome, and so one of a kind. Just the design, just the thought that went into it. I just remember there was a couple of clutch posters that I saw that were just fucking dope. I was like, I need that. Yeah, if you if you even Google Derek Hess images, mm-hmm. you'll see some amazing shit. Like mm-hmm. yeah. the one I have on my wall is the final performance of Snapcase. Back in the day, he did the original poster, and it's got crosses and, and the dude sitting there. And uh, I, I somehow picked up that show at one of the one of, or picked up that thing at one of the, the last concerts they did, and back it was in like. I don't know where Buffalo or something, but the point was is that I have it in my living room, and I it's like one of my prized possessions. And so he in 2016 he did a, a documentary called Force Perspective, and that was um, his experience with a dual diagnosis. Now what that is is that it's a term for those who are fighting both addiction and mental illness. So you have to somehow, dude, I don't know how you tackle them together. But well, they a lot of the times they don't. A lot of the times, though, if you have a mental illness, you end up getting an addiction. Yeah. It's, they, they go hand One in begets hand. the other. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, and especially with mental illness, too, the sad truth is, is, you know, a doctor will prescribe you something to bring you down another level, and next thing you know, you think you need that prescription, and you just take advantage of it, and next thing you know, you end up with an addiction problem yeah. because somebody was trying to help you. I mean, yeah. it's... It's a it's a twisted it's a twist, it's twisted world, yeah. dude. It's real. It's sad. And he's got a new book, guys, coming out. It's called Thirty One Days in May. He will be touring uh, Thirty One Days in May: A Visual Journey, and he will be touring. Go to metalsucks.net. Look up the story on Derek Hess. Make sure you guys familiarize uh, with this guy if you don't know. Like I said, one of our favorite artists and coolest dudes. Next story, guys. What do you guys think? So, uh, Randy uh, Randy Bly from Lamb of God burned the priest is what they're promoting now. They got this uh, coverage record coming out May 18th, and there's a phone number you can call, and he'll pretty much give you a little message, and then you'll hear like the old school uh, uh, 
I don't know what old school voicemail where people used to put music yeah. behind their things. Like I've, 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 Jocelyn just called the number right now. And we had to listen to it. What yeah. do you guys think about this promotion? I used thing? I used the verb the I used the word had for a reason. Yeah. It yeah. was unenjoyable. <laughs> well, because it's like, okay, number one, this is music. Right. You want to make sure that you promote your product on the best right. way available. Uh you have the internet, you have millions of fans. Why right. not just release a quick 15, 20 second clip of the song instead of like, no, hey, call this phone number. Hey guys, what I want you to do is jump into a phone booth and then make sure you go back in time to nineteen ninety two. Yeah. And then then we'll it's it just makes no sense. Play the song while I ha- press yeah. stop and record at the same time. But it makes sense because the press has picked up on it, so now they all know that they're going to release a record. They would have pr- they would have picked up on it anyway. It's, 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 kind of, it's a cool promotional tool, but just the the thing is, there's a reason that vinyl has resurged. Is that the sound quality with music is so important? It makes it a different experience when the sound quality is good. We've talked on here before about when you go to a concert and the sound quality is bad. It's fucking garbage. It's not enjoyable. It, that's important. So when you play me something and the sound quality is just, I can't make. I can barely discern the notes from the static. Is it makes me not want to listen to so it. So hearing Randy's voice, nothing for you guys. Oh no, super stoked on that. Okay, so that that's, was the cool that, part. That's a cool oh, part. Yeah, though. that's yeah. a cool part. Yeah, to hear a recording of him. It's not like he's like, hey, Brandon, you're my most prized fan. Check this out. Right. I mean, then I'd be stoked. But it's right. like if it's a fucking recording that any asshole named Jocelyn Sharp can listen to. Yeah, I'm not Jeez. stoked. Yeah, <laughs> I would like it if he if he would call me and leave me a voicemail where yeah. he said like, hey, this is Randy. I heard you're looking for yummy dudes. <laughs> And I'd be like, yeah, I am. Right. Wow. <laughs> you guys, that's ridiculous. You guys really think that, that's... Hey, I hear you're looking for yummy dudes. Wow. What a sell. I remember... What a sell. This, I remember <laughs> years ago, and I want to say it was, it was Nine Inch Nails on like uh, year zero, there was a phone number to call. And then you would... It wasn't Trent Reznor's voice, but there was kind of like you would talk to someone and they'd give you this thing. And I thought it was so cool before the record came out. That is kind of cool. Yeah. And I actually really liked the whole... Did they play part of the music? Okay, well, Uh, there you go. I can't remember, but I don't think so. It was like... I'm trying to remember exactly what now, the details were. It would be one thing if it were Randy going, hey, what's up? Hey, press one if you want me to tell you to fuck off. Oh, cool, Randy. You know what I mean? It, like if you right. had like a touch to, tone type of thing. <laughs> that would be cool. That would be what, a much better situation. Press Randy, five if you want to hear well, uh, it. Randy, holla at your boy next time you need some marketing ideas. Also, I'll, what <laughs> upsets me is this phone number goes to some digital file on a server somewhere. So that means he could have recorded this in, and just edited it together with perfect quality <laughs> and we could have listened yes, to it that's it's not an at. actual answering like it's like yeah can, it's just like hey it's what's a digital up? number <laughs> what's up guys randy here. yeah uh, thank you for i calling. do appreciate that he goes don't leave a voicemail yeah don't leave a voice <laughs> okay yeah first off there was not even a beep <laughs> it's not like there was a beep for us to leave the voicemail it was <laughs> right. like here's our song you shut the f-, and yeah just we're like, not Poof. listening to the whole song randy we didn't get all the way through yeah, if there was a beep exactly. we don't know there was a beep hey randy brandon in vegas here just want to let you know <laughs> uh dug the track the audio wasn't great but i'm sure it's going to be awesome when i get it on my ipod so uh thanks bro yeah. also my friend jocelyn wants to know if you're yummy yeah exactly uh jocelyn wants to know <laughs> It sounded just like when you were like 16 years old and a boy would call you and be like, this song makes me think of you. And then he would hold the phone too close to the speaker and you would just have to listen to your ears being blown out on the phone for like three and a half minutes. Yeah, I, that, I was never that boy and I never had a boy do that to me. Well, so I don't you're know. Missing out. 
<laughs> Dude, I had a lot he of He and I have known that. each other a long time, and he has never once said, Brandon, I got this song that makes me think of you. And I'm like, I would oh, not leave messages like, based Love on Gun? the song. You may think of me because of Love Gun, Pete? Thank you. Man. Oh, God. Those fucking trick and, and goofy voicemails from the 90s are something I do not miss. And every once in a while, I run across someone that has it on their cell phone, and I'm like, you're a fucking douche. You're a douche. Like, give me an example. Where they're like, oh, hey, what's up? Oh, I got you. Yeah. yeah. yeah or yeah. they're like, uh, oh, no. <laughs> Randy should have done that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been good. Okay, actually, that would have been awesome that if Randy did so it. That would have been so stupid. Yeah. Hey, what's up, man? That'd have been hilarious. Yeah, it would. Have been <laughs> I'm just kidding. New Birth <laughs> Priest song in your face. That Don't leave that. I would love that. I would love if he was like, "Hey, what's up, man?" Nah, you're a fucking moron. <laughs> that <laughs> or like, like the, you remember there's like weird limericks that people would do, and they would like rap on their voicemail and like, oh yeah, do like stupid things. Where what's it's like, up, y'all? Leave a message at the call or whatever. I don't know. There was a girl yeah. that I went to theater school with. You could buy those songs. I know. I remember yes. what you were talking about. You could actually buy like something for your answering machine, and it would be a song that somebody would write about leaving a message on the answering machine. Yes. And there's there's a girl I went to theater school with, and for like five years, every three weeks, she changed her voicemail to a different character. So she was like a Southern Belle in one where she'd be like, hey, y'all, I'm just out picking peaches. Leave a message. She'd be a Russian in another? Yeah, and she'd be like, don't leave message. Messages are only for the mother country. Anything you need to say to me, you can say to Putin. And then she'd be Fred Durst in <laughs> and one. Then, and then she'd be a Bulgarian in another one. Go ahead, Josh. Oh, we're from Bulgaria. We're not quite as stiff <laughs> in the arm, but please do not leave message. I'm I do sure. not have time. I'm not I sure live in what communist the, country. I'm not I, sure what the <laughs> national food of Bulgaria is. Thank you. I can't it's check goulash. my message. Just because I have to stand in bright line. Is it goulash? I thought it was German. Goulash? No, nah, I made that up. Okay. <laughs> I don't fucking, the national food of Bulgaria? I don't know. I like goulash. Listen, I got one Eastern European You're the only one accent. here that's got European parents. I mean, you would probably know the most about Europe than the rest of us. Okay, I know much about Montenegro and, and uh, okay, my culture. Okay, what's their national food? I don't know food. nothing about, dude. I don't, national food? Yeah. What is America's national food? Fucking burgers. Is Beer. it really, though? Is it really, though? You know what our national and food is? Meth. Our national food is titties. <laughs> yeah, right. I love titties. I like to put a titty right in a that's bun. That's why all the good restaurants have girls with big titties. Yep. Every time, every fourth, every fourth of July, I put a titty right on a bun and I say, thank you, Uncle Sam. <laughs> you guys you. heard that here first. National food of America. <laughs> Tits. Titties. <laughs> Came from a woman. Yep. Pew, pew. Exactly. Oh, God. And I'll stand up <laughs> next to you. <laughs> now bust out your big old tits. That's how the song should have been. I ain't <laughs> too proud to use both hands. I <laughs> best the, those big ass breasts, dude. I've let you guys take over, but I yeah. like it. I like it. Hey, man. I'm I don't sorry. know what the fuck I'm we're sorry. recording anymore, but I, I like it. It's been three days. We're talking it's, about dumb-ass voicemails, I dude. Smoked weed for a long time. I haven't <laughs> smoked weed in three days, Pete. This is what you get. You're always bitching about it, and now no, you, get, true. you get you get 100% sober, Brandon, and you're not going to be able to get me to fucking... <laughs> it's true. I didn't want to bring it up until you made a week, but you're three days sober. Three days sober, buddy. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of, um, uh, something I want to touch base that we didn't touch base on last week is that Pantera has released a clip of their fourth home video. Is now, it on is it over the phone? <laughs> <laughs> did they send you if you called, did they send you a VHS? Yeah. Hey, what's up? Hey, man. I hope they released hey, it up? on VHS. Hey, what's up, Phil? But Somo here. You got this new song. 
That's Phil. That was, that was just like a tired dancing impression. That's, that you just that's did. Phil, though. I mean, if you listen to Phil talk, he definitely sounds like tired dancing. <laughs> Phil does like, sound yeah, he, he sounds like ambient za- dancing. <laughs> ambient dancing. That's fucking Phil and Soma. Phil and talks. In a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I don't know, but uh, if they, they did a commercial. But no, they just released the clip. And, but I mean, it came, this, this video is from what, 2099, 98, 2000? 2099. Right? Good year, bro. <laughs> no, no. Good it's year. The future from 1999 wow. to like 2001. That's when when this video was made, and so the, they're going to release it now. And the yeah. and the man, I mean, how exciting is that? A, I'm really excited. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Well, I, first off, anything Pantera. That that I'm sign me up. Okay, I'm there. Growing up, that was my band. Yeah. yeah, that was my that was that was all there was was Pantera coming up. So anything new that comes into the stratosphere, I'm definitely going to be. Pantera was about. one of the first because my mom introduced me to metal. My mom introduced me to like '80s hair metal first, mm-hmm. though, and Pantera was like one of the first metal bands she introduced me to. Mm-hmm. So it has a special place in my heart. So anything Pantera, sign me up. See, I remember when my mom heard it, she was like, "What is this bullshit?" <laughs> and I said, "Well, you're making me fucking hostile." Thank you. <laughs> See, I don't mind you guys doing the, that. To pay. You guys are going to do the same joke you did with Limp Bizkit Walk songs. on homeboy. <laughs> this is Bon Jovi all over again. God damn it. <laughs> it is. It is. Okay, don't go nuclear, Pete. Oh, mm. boy. Inside joke. I don't go nuclear. <laughs> I said it right? Nope. Fuck the world. <sighs> Tread the water some more, bro. So much please. joy I'm having right now. I really hurt because I really wanted to do the same voicemail thing for the fans of this show so they can call in and Jocelyn could be like, You want some American food? Tits. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. We can set it up. I'll set yeah, it up. I want Jocelyn, I want the phone, but I want you to be like Southern, like real pro America. Hey, what's up? Welcome to America. Right over to your left is your free pair of tits. Come on in. You know? <laughs> you ever think there's not enough guns in your tits and not enough tits in your guns? Well, welcome to America, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god the fucking if that really was the pitch for america i mean That's how would we be a, dude how would we be able to keep everybody out like we would have to build the wall at that point everybody just climbing it we need those tits you know <laughs> like world war z yeah right? yeah exactly because even if somebody was like well i'm not into guns and then we'd be like well we also got marijuana <laughs> what <laughs> <laughs> Way to sell it, guys. Way to sell it. America. <laughs> that was the saddest. The thing. gentlest song. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh my God. <laughs> I am having too much fun. I'm going to pee my pants. Um, and with that, guys, this April, Polish Black Death Overlords Behemoth will release their new live DVD Blu ray, Mess Noir, via Metal Blade Records in the USA. Mess Noir includes the band's victorious shows in Warsaw, Poland on October 8, 2016 and Brutal Assault 2016 as well. As the Satanist Cinematic Archives featuring all official videos associated with the band's globally successful record of the same name. Guys, make sure you pre-order or pick up your copy of Mess Noir right now. Metalblade.com slash behemoth. Again, metalblade.com slash behemoth. And now here is my interview with James Monteith of Tesseract. Hey everybody, it's I, Petter, Metal Sucks Podcast. On the phone, I got James Monteith from Tesseract. We're talking about the new record, Sonder, which is out right now. Let's talk about Sonder real quick. Uh, tell us about you know the title and, and what that means to you. Okay, cool. Um, well, Sonder comes from um, a book called The Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows. It's basically a book written by this guy who's like, I guess it's kind of like a, 
like a linguist and a kind of a, a communication expert. And he basically made up a load of words to describe certain situations that haven't actually existed previously. Um, and Sonder is basically the realization that uh, everybody around you has as interesting and complex and detailed life as your own. Um, it's ultimately like a, I guess, we use it as a song title, it's kind of a message of almost like, um, you know, of being, of, of awareness of like the world around you and um, everyone is different, everyone has you know, loads of things going on that you may or may not understand and, and it's also a message of sort of unself-centeredness really, um, trying to be a good dude. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Um, and that's something in modern day society, do you see that a lot while you're touring or do you see more of a solipsist, a solipsist approach with people? Um, thinking the world is kind of only around them. Uh, I guess on tour, I mean, it's kind of hard to judge because it's a very kind of unique situation, very unique, you know, specific kinds of people. But I think it's maybe more of a comment on just society in general. I think, um, um, especially with people, you know, with like people in echo chambers on social media, but, you know, sort of like they're all kind of like fueling like certain types of ideas or beliefs that are maybe narrow-minded or um, that are slightly thoughtless. I think it's a, uh, yeah, it's more or less like a comment on 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 people, you know, society in general. Um, but then also, even before social media, I guess people still, you know, hung out in smaller kind of social groups and probably had their, you know, had their own kind of ideas and they were their own echo chamber. So I guess can't really blame social media for it. But I think it, with social media, it becomes it's way more obvious how it's easy for groups of people to basically uh, be quite um, dismissive and unsympathetic of others through not understanding them. And I and I agree with you on that. I think compassion is something that is is uh, is not fully understood uh, at a, at a younger age. I think a lot of times, like mm. because as you're aging and you live more, you understand the importance of compassion. Right? Do you agree or disagree? Uh, I agree, but I think um, I don't think everybody does. I think it's not, it can actually go the other way. Some people, when they get older, get stuck in a rut and um, and uh, and actually become less tolerant and less understanding. I think. I think it's important to whatever age you are to kind of have an open mind. And I mean, like a great example is if you look at, I mean, not to get too political, but in the UK we had like the Brexit vote um, a few years, few years back, which is basically um, a vote for us to leave the European Union, which is, um, I mean, there are lots of reasons why it happened, but um, the majority, through surveys, it's been proven it's older generations who voted for it simply because they don't want as many foreigners in our country, which is a very, you know, kind of very basic um, viewpoint and um, uh, and it's a very ignorant viewpoint to have and um, that was actually the older people that actually uh, uh, kind of helped push that through so I don't know I think I think as you get older you, you can appreciate things more to experience but if you choose to not actually pay attention to what's going on then I don't think you will actually become wiser to, to these kind of these sort of things and these th- that's funny that you brought up the Brexit thing because when we talk about like our pres- last presidential le- election with Trump um, the votes were very small for the youth. And uh, when having conversations about that, a lot of people are like, well, they're not used to getting out of the house and actually doing things because everything's so accessible, you know, via phones and things like that. So that practice of voting, you know, to have to actually go somewhere did affect this mm. culture, you know, from 18 to like 25. And so same thing. Yeah. We have an older generation voting for uh, a president and then there's kind of a backlash from the younger generations. It sounds similar to Brexit. Is is that fair to say? Yeah, I definitely think that's fair to say. I think you can do, uh, draw lots of um, parallels between the two situations. And um, like the the ideology of what's behind Brexit and what Trump stands for is very, very similar. Um, and it's interesting that it's happening 
both of our countries at the same time. And I, don't, well, I feel globally, actually, the right-wing populism is, is growing. In Europe, it's a, it's a problem. Like in France, you had Le Pen, who was actually a far-right leader who nearly got it. I don't know. I wonder if it's also just something to do with the climate at the moment. Maybe the world, you know, people are, you know, maybe struggling a bit more and it's easier to have, you know, and blame culture is, 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 is an easier way to deal with things and try and fix problems. I don't know. It's interesting, though. It is, it is. And, and if you look at history, like the, when, when generations have such degrees of living in different ways, you're going to have this kind of, uh, you know, dissection almost. Because like I said, the, the younger generation and a generation 20 years, even 10, maybe 15 years, they completely have a different mindset on how to live life, be life, because technology is so, you know, I guess ingrained in their youth and their growing yeah. up. Even with like my kid, like technology's mm. it's grained with him, you know. And with me, it was more of like go outside. It was, so those two mentalities are extremely different. I, I feel like buying a record and streaming extremely different mentalities, you know. And to find yeah, a, exactly. a middle ground or a gray area is gonna be. It's gonna take I think another generation, <laughs> and, and unfortunately, so we're kind of in a mix. We're in a mix of just that time where that transition is happening but the fact that i see more compassion from the youth i think that the the brexit and the trump it, it's on a death rattle uh, yeah it'll take some time and we're impatient but uh how do you feel do you, do you agree with any of that or do, is there any com- way you, yes yeah i agree with, yeah i agree with that entirely actually and um, i guess i'm probably like a similarish age to you just judging by when you're saying you've got young kids because i've got young kids too and it's amazing to see like how much because they've grown up with technology it's really a part of their lives and that it's just, you know, I guess they couldn't imagine a world without it. Um, but also, with, like, I guess people in their sort of, I don't know, 20s, like, a lot of that age group's being, you know, mocked for being snowflakes. I believe that's a phrase that's being mm-hmm. coined at the moment. And um, to a degree, I do think that some, because I'm in my 30s and a bit older, so like, I think some, it's easy to fall into that trap of thinking, oh, yeah, God, the younger generation is really, really sensitive. But maybe, actually, it's a really good thing that, that younger people really are uh, concerned about um, uh, you know, good things. You know, the well-being of people. You know, they, I mean, by last, I mean, it, it, last year there was that big backlash against bans misbehaving and treating. You know, like uh, you know, like some of the worst cases, sexual abuse, kind of, which was, I'm guessing, quite rife throughout you know, the whole industry. And then it got really called out with that Me Too thing. I know that's beyond music, but I guess what I paid attention to was more the bands. Like there are loads of like rock bands that got called out for basically sexual abuse and. And although it's kind of a, a dark thing, it was kind of amazing that that generation have, have had the confidence to stand up and say, no, this stuff is wrong. We need to make the world a better place. And I think, yeah, I don't know why that's happened. I think maybe it's because they've, they've grown up with so much information um, available to them. They've been able to rationalize it all and make, make uh, decisions about what's right and wrong a lot easier than younger generations. Or they feel more empowered as well, maybe. I think maybe because the internet gives people a voice, they feel they can say what they think. Or, and be heard. Um, I don't know, it's interesting. Yeah, and, and they're growing up a lot faster than we did. I mean, a lot faster. Like, mm. by the time, the, most of the experiences that I say I, I have by the time of 25, I mean, you can, you know, like I said, no facts here, but you, you can probably get all that by your, the time you're 15 now. So a voice <laughs> okay. of, uh, you know, a 20-year-old voice, even though, um, you know, they haven't lived it, they've experienced it through, like I said, technology and media. So, um, and I do feel... <laughs> Like you said, that so many voices because of social media uh, and people, you know, giving them empowerment through that thing, 
we we didn't have something like that you know it was mm, like uh, there really wasn't like a, a way for us to reach media um at, at at the age of 20 you know unless you were in some sort of unless there was a reason for the media to follow and that kind exactly, of yeah. that kind of uh same thing, generational gap, and and you know it's there's a lot of positives to it, a lot of like a lot of positives to it, and I do think that everything's going in the right direction as it has from generation to generation, you know. Um, and then and, and then there's those, those those negatives to it that like the extreme things that occur that I don't remember mm-hmm. as a young person, like even the extreme violence, like when I see the media of someone driving a truck into people or or these mass shootings, yeah. things like that. I think is is unfortunately uh, going to be a backlash on those thoughts. I mean, what do you think about that? Is that make any sense? Uh, yeah, no, it does definitely make sense. Um, to be honest, I guess I mean, I, I guess there are these like these horrible attacks. But I mean, think about my generation's growing up. Uh, I, li- I grew up in London, and we were constantly being bombed by the IRA. So it, it was, in in a weird way, um, these attacks kind of just they don't they're not as frightening maybe for somebody that grew up in London because kind of something we've been used to our whole life. Mm. Um, I think one thing that concern, concerns me mostly with this generation is because they're not able to switch off. Like, and I think that that's not good for, for mental health. It's not good for you know, anyone. It's like, like cyberbullying is a real thing, like people getting like, real abuse online. And, like, and because younger generations are so addicted to their devices, um, there's no way of them just turning it off and blocking it. It's a, I think that that's my biggest concern. I, you know, there's, no, there's no kind of real... Way, there's no, no barrier, no way to control that sort of behavior. Maybe there will be at some point. I don't know. And yeah, I think that like uh, I hope there eventually is some kind of laws. But that's a very good point because say you were a fourteen or fifteen year old kid and you hated school and you were getting bullied at school, you had a safe place when you got home. And now yeah, yeah. they can follow you on your device and they can say mean things and they can hurt you, you know, in your safe place. And that's something we didn't know growing up. You know, there was always a, a, a break between getting attacked or bullied where uh, the newer generations, like they virtually have to choose not to participate in order to get that break. And that's a hard lesson because you want to fit in. You want to be cool, you know? I also think, but I think it's even worse than that. So I think it's hard. They, they can't choose it really because it's so ingrained in the culture. Like people live online. It's almost like we are slowly becoming, you know, entering the matrix. And I, mean, cause I see it with my kids. It's like at the weekend, they were, they were Playing this video game for a while called Roblox, which is like uh, it's a bit like Minecraft, and then I'm, and I checked it out, and I just realised that all their mates from school are all playing this game, and they're all hanging out together. And at first, I thought it was kind of cool, then it kind of freaked me out. And um, uh, when they went to bed, I went through the game and made sure there was nothing dodgy going on, and there wasn't. There was actually just all their mates hanging out, but instead of going to see each other, they were just all in their own living room playing this game. And I, but I think because it's so ingrained, I think it'd be hard to hard to young kids to, to switch off because that's where everything's going on i don't know no i agree yeah, it's a tricky one I, I do agree it is a tricky one and, and in time um yeah I, I i that's the one thing that i i have the same concern as that is that like um we used to go outside hang out with people and have this kind of like face-to-face interaction and socially mm-hmm. it's for me it's the face-to-face interaction i, I without that eh, i don't know what i'm trying to say here I guess, but like basically the point I was, I was trying to like kind of jump off is that like the mental health thing you're saying, it's going to take years because these things, um, growing up this fast and, and so many, you know, avenues or things that you can see, this is going to affect us mentally. Like, you know, I don't know if the human brain is completely ready 
for that? Another really weird cultural shift with this, which I've had mentioned, my wife um, had a work colleague, an intern at her company, who um, was 21. He was basically talking about how it really makes dating complicated now as well. Apparently, um, he, was, he was basically saying that nowadays you can't really just go up to a girl and start talking to them because you'd be considered a creep and a weirdo. And everybody meets online first in that kind of way if you're interested in something. You have to... He basically said that that's the only way he and his friends would talk to a girl initially um, through like a safe online medium and then meet them. If I mean I don't know if this goes for everyone, but like it just blew my mind how different that is to well, I guess life has been since humans were a thing in the first place. It's less it, to me, and like I said, I'm an older generation, but to me that's just a, seems cold. It seems like that would be <laughs> like like I, I've never been on the online dating thing, but I had a friend that had the Tinder app, and he virtually would swipe right or mm. left on human beings, like they're not. Yeah, yeah. Oh, forget you, forget you. Yeah, okay, maybe you know. And I'm like, no, these are, these are people. You know, like if that's how mm. we treat people, how will we ever like really yeah, yeah. respect them? You know, it's like if there's someone you can just swipe right mm. or left on. You know, it's it's a yeah. yeah. Like you said, it's a very weird cultural shift because those that, that the generation gaps are going to be different. But I also feel, in a way, that um, it might be safer, you know. But uh, that's just a guess. Mm. I don't really know. So yeah, <laughs> I definitely want to talk about the new record. I love where we're going. <laughs> One thing, uh, we uh, have a massive tangent there. Yeah, dude, I, I love the tangent. So do my listeners, man. They, they, they really do. So, um, But one thing I, I, I did want to uh, bring up is that when I was doing some research, you guys mentioned about the record that it's, uh, in a way, it's exploring a deep and devouring sense of in- insignificance. Do you mm. feel yeah. that's easily relatable to these days? I guess it's kind of the flip side of like appreciating that everyone's brilliant around you. It's also appreciating that our lives are very almost not negligible, they're like a, a minuscule part of the whole world, the universe. You know, we—I mean, everyone plays their role, but their role is, you know, is is super tiny. And you know, I mean, even our planet, our, our planet is, you know, it's giant to us, but it's, you know, it's, it's you know, it's negligible to the universe. Um, again, sort of another sort of take on all of this is uh, the album artwork that um, Amos, our bassist, designed. And it's, if you look at it, it's basically a very simplistic, two-dimensional interpretation of our solar system. And it's just circles, pretty much. And um, it's almost like an analogy for, um, I guess, how easy it is to, well, just to take something so vast and so complex and, uh, and interpret it in a very, very basic way. I mean, which is kind of what people do in general when, they say, you, know, you get people sort of arguing online about various political things. Most people only understand about a fraction of it, and they cling on to whatever part appeals to them. And then they truly believe it, and it's you know, actually something way more vast and complex than it actually is. Yeah, and that, but that, that, simple, that simple art, though, is something that we see less and less of. Yet it's, that's why it's so engaging mm. to me. Like the cover art to this is very, very engaging. You know, um, I, I say the same thing when I watch like a Jim Jarmusch movie, you know, and, uh, and I'm like, mm. look at this. It's just a minimalist approach to the filmmaking style. But like I'm, mm. I'm feeling something more because everything's so uh, I don't want to, you know, say flashy, but I think style has completely trumps substance in a lot of art now. You know, style has to mm. it has to look and feel cool before people will be engaged, you know? And uh, yeah. I don't know, do you agree with that statement at all? Or Yeah, I think so. But I think also because, um, I guess, with, again, going back to technology, um, there are so many tools available for artists now. Uh, artists go quite wild with them, and, uh, which is a great thing in some ways, you know, trying new things and creating stuff that's never been able to be done before. 
the way I think there's something to be said for minimalism, and I think like, when you do something that's quite minimal, it also allows the uh, the uh, uh, the observer to engage with it more and um, and use their imagination a little bit as well. And it's in a way, it's a bit, it's a bit more it's engaging in that sense because uh, the user gets to kind of think about it and analyze it. Whereas if it's something that's super detailed, super complicated, everything is already there. Um, I don't know. That's just my random thought on that. <laughs> no, it's, I, I, I agree with that. Now, I did want to talk about the music video uh, that you guys did for yeah. King. If you guys, if uh, the fans haven't seen it, go to metalsucks.net, look up King by Test Rec. You guys got to check out this video because my favorite video director was this guy named Matt Mihurin. I hope I said his name right. Uh, he he kind of did like mm-hmm. uh, like The Unforgiven by Metallica. He did Outshine by Soundgarden. Oh, right, yeah. and, and your video yeah, yeah, has yeah. that vibe to it, you know? Um, I remember he even worked with like Peter Gabriel. I think he did like Red Rain or something. Like that. But he always had that dark um, storytelling process, like not a linear story, but something that engages you and that you can take meanings from. And uh, your video, I haven't seen a video like this in a while that had this, but you guys really uh, captured that. Um, do you feel that, uh, did you guys give more of this uh, you know, to the director or did you guys actually have some input in that one? Uh, yeah, well, um, the director actually came up with well the, the storylines, but and we gave him the general concept. But the concept kind of is is basically um, again, it's another. Po- it's actually a positive message about um, how great our life is and what a privilege it is we are. We have, you know, uh, it is to be here. Um, and uh, uh, then he sort of interpreted it with like um, essentially like four individual stories, and they're four people that basically face some form of tragedy or something awful happening to them. Something that you know may you know could consider uh, you know, somebody to you know, kind of give up on life, and basically uh, uh, by the end of it, um, basically something uh, basically pulls them all through it, and they all basically appreciate you know life what it is, and live in the moment, and that, that something could be anything really. I don't know whether it's self belief or whether it's some kind of faith that some people follow. I'm not religious, really but you know it could be anything. You know, like. Like uh, basically, it's just a, a message of uh, uh, you know whatever's happened to you. You know, it's still it's great to be here. Get through this and um, enjoy your life. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a that is a great message. And changing someone's belief is. And people always say people don't change. That's all it is is the belief. Like, and I I don't have anything negative to say ever about religion or you know um, or like you know atheism, anything like that. Because I've seen good people change their beliefs to whatever form that worked for them and, and, and strive, you know, and it's like, um, and if you need something like God or Jesus to like put down the bottle, if you've got a serious problem, I'm all for it, man. And I'll never make you feel like you're dumb. You know, that's something that I I think is horrible to do to people because our belief system, all of us, me included, a lot of it is fiction. It just works for me so I can be a good person in my mind, you know, but Absolutely. You know, and, and, and I accept that, you know, totally. So one thing I did want to bring up, because recently there was a, an article that the Metal Sucks guys did about Periphery and um, Sumerian Records, but uh, recently Misha from Periphery, he stated that uh, they don't really care about being a massive band or making crazy money. Um, mm. Is that a universal feeling for rock and metal bands these days, do you think? Uh, I don't know if it is. I think it's more, I don't know, I think it's just the state of play of what it is, and I think Misha's I guess interpreting how how you know what the playing field is now and being positive about it. I think ultimately everybody would like to make a bit more money. You know, like wouldn't everybody in whatever job you do? And um, things are really tight in music at the moment. Um, it's like I don't know, 
like we're on tour sort of playing up to a thousand cap rooms in the states and you know we all still have other jobs that we do um you know because that's you know you can't you can't live off being in a band um so yeah it'd be nice to earn more money but at the same time i don't think we'd ever want to compromise what we're doing to earn more money like i think because that would just be the end of the band really i think uh the way Tesseract's evolved has um, been, a, been a very, very long, slow process, and we're really enjoying where we're at and what we're doing and got a vision for where we're going to go, and we don't want to artistically compromise that. Um, but yeah, I know if somebody wanted to pay us more money, that would be absolutely wonderful. <laughs> but being in a band, um, is, is being content when it comes to popularity, is that okay, or is that kind of the death of growth? I don't know. I think, I mean, I guess if. Uh, the fact that people enjoy the music and they buy the records and they support, I mean, that is, that is a good motivator. And um, I think, you know, if we were still sort of playing to 10 people a night, I, I, that, we probably wouldn't be touring as much as we do tour. I think, I guess the other motivator is to keep growing the band and keep like, reaching out to new people. Like, this is our 10th tour of the USA we've done now. And every time, I mean, like half of those, most of those are support tours, but we've done two, well, three headliners that you include our first one, which is actually a very short one, tacked on the end of another one. And, it, and it, it's just been kind of incrementally growing, where the audience has been growing. Um, uh, they've been diversifying as well. We used to play to much more older prog audiences. Whereas on this one, we're getting lots more younger kids coming out, which is a great sign, because, you know, they're the future listeners of music. And um, Yeah, I think I think part of the motivation is just to keep, keep growing, keep playing to more people, and, um, and then, yeah, write more music. I completely, that's the only way I can see anything surviving is always having that passion to grow. Um, but like in the industry, as you were saying, it, it's just one of those things where there has to, it, it depends so much, I guess, these days on trends in a way, you know, um, and, and timing, you know, is, do you, do you yeah. agree with that or no? It definitely does in some genres. I mean, in my day job, I'm also a music publicist. Um, um, in Europe, in the UK and, and Europe, and um, I, so I, I work with you know getting lots of bands exposure. And generally, I'd say yes, um, very much. It's uh, you know if there's something new breaking, those kind of bands are the ones that are going to get all the attention. Um, uh, but if something, if it's a smaller band that's not really kind of in vogue, it's a lot much harder sell. Uh, because I guess like people's cultural or collective kind of taste change it's quite interesting i reckon there could be a book on uh, the psychology of the music sound because a lot of it is social based as well it's like if everybody's into a certain sound a little more peripheral listeners are all into that as well um and um and i i say peripheral listeners, i reckon they genuinely like it but they're very much influenced by their peers and um, um so yeah i'd say that's definitely a thing although with, with this band our band just because it's been going so slowly it, I, it's kind of hard to tell i think when it started out, and it started out as Ackle, the other guitar player, his, his a bedroom project. It was like a, an internet thing. There was like him, and there was Misha Mansour from Periphery, and then there was uh, um, Paul Ortiz from Chimp Spanner, and then a few other people, Keith Mero, and all these kind of dudes were all like very much part of this online. And I think maybe that was the, probably the time and place things for our band and those bands. And when that sort of organically grew, but it mainly grew out of uh, guitar nerds sharing riff ideas and tones. And, um, and then... Some of those artists then went on to form bands. Then it's kind of just been a very, very slow growth process from there. Like, I guess this kind of proggy metal never really been hugely, I don't know, it never really blew up, I don't think. Actually, that's not true. I think, I guess the gent, the gent fad happened for a little while, but well, it, at least the media started um, calling that, you know, calling it a genre and a scene. Um, which I think was popularized again by, by Periphery's Got Gent t-shirt, which is based on the, the Got Milk adverts, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but then that sort of petered out a little bit. Um, but 
lots of the, the, the bands in that genre have been slowly, quietly just growing and building. And, and um, yeah, it's, it's never really done any big peak or trough. Um, but I think part of that's also down to bands in the genre like to reinvent themselves. Each record always needs to be a bit different. It needs to be a bit more experimental. And I think that proggy people, like Muse fans like that because they, they want something different. Whereas I guess fans of a deathcore band, they just want deathcore. Okay. They're probably not quite as open-minded or hungry for change. Whereas fans of you know, prog metal, like, they, they get upset if it's the same. So it needs to be different and fresh. And that's, okay. that's that makes sense? oh yeah that that's a lot funner to be in that band in my mind because yeah if, if you have to stick to a formula it eventually becomes a formula you know um, yeah and when you're you know at a, to stick to a formula when you're 21 and then you're like 30 it would make no sense because the change of you as a human is so so vast and I think that's what's great about the genre that you're in and uh, to speak a little more on music fans though um, for me whenever I talk music with people like when I same thing with the generations. I was growing up, like, what do you listen to? Oh, I like rock. I like metal. Oh, cool. Check this out. Now, everybody always says to me, oh, I like everything. And, and, and yeah. that's a harder um, conversation to have because every time I have those conversations, uh, people won't know the, like a lot about a certain band or a certain thing. They're just like, oh, I like this song. I like this. I like that. That kind mm-hmm. of fan, is that, is that hard to break into when it's, it's really... It seems like it's almost... Um, because music is very important to everyone in this world and everybody's life, that's I think uh, I think that's a for sure thing. I know there's people that give or take, you know, or consider it free, and other people that like I'm going to pay because I appreciate it. But mm. I guess the point is that to have a fan be, you know, kind of whatever about genres and all those things, um, is that a positive thing for you guys as a band? Do you think you can reach everybody that way, or do you think it's going to limit you? I know it's interesting. Um, it's really interesting point you're raising, actually. So I have noticed. Um uh, again, lots of younger generations do like way more music. I remember when I was a teenager, like basically people were easily categorizable by the music they liked. It's like, oh, that's like, that guy's into punk, that guy's into metal, that guy likes drum and bass and dance music, that guy, you know, like, cause everyone sort of fell into their camp. And I remember being, feeling like a bit of a weirdo in all camps because I, I, I was into quite like a variety of music. And, um, so I'd hang out with like my metal people and they'd laugh at me for going to raves. Then I'd hang out with, uh, dance music people and they'd mock me for you know listening to metal and it's like i feel like with younger generations because again the thing that comes to the access of music on the internet um younger generations are way more open-minded to other genres i think you will get the fair with the people that say they like a bit, a bit of everything but i meet a lot of people that are you know highly knowledgeable about grime but also highly knowledgeable about metallic hardcore and, you know and i i think i think for us that actually really helps because we do bring a lot of elements of different things into our music so I think we are able to appeal to like muso nerds who do like a wide range of things, but are they very knowledgeable in all those areas? So yeah, I know. interesting times. Again, it's gone back down to technology. Yeah, it really yeah. has. Because a lot, I think, I think a human's uh, identity is by is defined in a lot of way by the things that you are attracted to and that you like. And when you like everything, I feel like your identity can change and shift and things can be harder to identify with yourself. You know, this is, this is me talking, you know, from where I grew up, you know. Um, but a lot of my, like, identity and my, uh, myself and, and what, I, what I, was the art that I related to and liked, you know, mm. or tried to create. And, and I, I guess if I put, like, a wide net to try to just like everything and fit in with everything and do all these things with everything, I feel it would be so overwhelmed that I couldn't function, yeah. you know. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And again, just thinking back to my youth, I, well, youth and a, as a young adult, 
I was into quite a lot of things, but I guess I chose the actual identity of being somebody into rock music. So I had long hair, wore band shirts, but I still went to like uh, dance music events and hip hop events. But I just like stood out as that that metal looking guy that goes to these things. But yeah, I think I think for younger people, they do. You know, I think finding an identity in something is still very important. It's I guess usually just yeah with what most of your friends are looking like, I suppose, and what they behave like. I don't know. It's tricky. Yeah, complicated. The the example I use is that my my lady's really into like indie rock, and so I go to a lot of those concerts, and mm-hmm. and um, I still rep, you know, I'll still wear my I'll wear a goat horse shirt. I don't care, you know, um, because it's mm-hmm. it's who I am. I like you know metal and all that stuff. But I I remember going specifically to a, a concert with her. Um, it was Jenny Lewis, right? And then I saw a guy with a Paradise Lost shirt. I'm like, I'm going to go talk to that guy, you know? And so <laughs> I just rolled over to him, and sure enough, he's with his lady. I'm with mine. They're both into the band. And then we get to talk and we talk. And and that connection, like that human connection, I, know where, I don't know the guy's name. We never talked again. You know, we shared a beer, whatever. It made me feel positive and good, I guess. Like there's a way to, to find the crowd because of the, you know, you identifying yourself in a way. But like, hey, this is me. You know, like this, this yeah. thing. And I wonder yeah. if people yeah, exactly. socially, okay. it, I, I, it's harder to, to recognize that because a lot of people, a lot of famous people wear Metallica or Morbid Angel shirts now and they don't even know who the band is. It's just a style thing, you know, mm. um, which yeah. is confusing. But I think we, we've got big retailers to blame for that. Like I yeah. remember, I, I remember one of the first time was Motorhead shirts. Like I remember Motorhead shirts were in like, uh, like, like fashion shops and that kind of thing. And I remember being quite upset about that for a while. I remember actually seeing this, yeah, like, I know, a bunch of young, kind of clearly not into the music. Well, they, I think it was like a young group of girls, like late teens. And one of them had, like, a, she had a Master of Puppets shirt on. And I was just like, you don't listen to that. But then, then maybe it's, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it, it's odd. It's- I, guess, I guess the artwork looks cool. <laughs> yeah, that, and that's what it is. It's it's tough to be like, hey, and we're not going to use the word poser. We're not going to use somebody like because you can love the artwork, you can love the shirt. I'm not going to go that route, but it's tough to like look mm. at someone and think, hey, I could connect because of that record. Mm. You know, that's an important thing mm. to me. And then, no, no, I I probably can't. This is not legit. And that's I feel that's a new thing. Like I I don't I would yeah. never wear a shirt of a band I didn't love or kind of know. You know, mm. because in a way, it's like, hey, I'm your guys's. Uh, platform here i'm going to talk about you guys you're on my chest right here you know it says primus yeah. i love you primus you know like <laughs> so, mm. and all that stuff but um you're right man it's it's just it's just and then like you were saying going to all these events i'm always i was always down to that because i love people i love watching and we're all very similar it's just you know we relate to different things and i love you know being open with that you know um and that is something that I see more and more of. So there's a totally positive thing on that, you know? Absolutely. Definitely. Well, I remember finding it frustrating when, you know, people that, like, well, weren't into metal hang out with, like, there wasn't so much of a problem in the U.S., which I've learned, but in the U.K., metal is kind of shunned by the mainstream a little bit. Like, it's kind of mocked. It's seen as something silly. And to be fair, when you look at things like, I guess, Man O' War and so on, and all the really pantomime stuff, you can see why people thought that. Yeah. But um, but in the UK, there's definitely uh, probably well, still now that there's a, there's a real stigma about it. Like lots of people who don't like metal think it's this massively weird, strange thing. That, there's something wrong with us outcome. because we like it. Yeah. I've I've I've, I've yeah. I still experience that where it's like, oh, there's something wrong with that guy. He's he's got a you know a metal shirt on. I'm like, no, nothing's wrong with me. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm totally, hey, you know, I'm just, I represent what I embrace, you know, the art. I'll wear a, you know, a, a t-shirt of a, you know, Bella Lugosi because I watch all his movies, you know, and stuff like that. It's just like, let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, yeah, man. Yeah. So real quick, back to the record, guys. Everybody, if you haven't picked up Sonder, it is out now. It's fantastic. Um, Thank you. Yo, you're welcome, man. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. I, I've, you know, I've, I've been listening. Today, before the interview, I listened to it like five times in a row. It's, and like I said, it's one of those records that. Oh, wow. It's not a, it's about 40 minutes. It's not a super long one, but it, it, yeah. it's sequenced just perfect. It's sequenced like a live show to me. It's like, this is exactly how it, it hits all the, the notes and the parts that you want when you see a band live. Like there's, you know, so, um, and I don't know, were you guys in charge of that sequencing type thing? Or is that a conversation you guys had before putting the record out? Yeah. Um, well, as they were written, a few of the tracks naturally fitted together. Um, like, uh, Basically, the first three tracks kind of, as they're written, they kind of linked from one to the next anyway. So they, they were kind of put together. And then I think it was uh, Smile and the one after that, whose name I can't remember. <laughs> I should remember it. Is it The Arrow? Arrow, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, uh, uh, they basically um, clicked together perfectly. And I know it's just kind of, they kind of naturally worked. But then, um, then basically, they ended up with these, these chunks and it's just like seeing what fits where. And, and, um, and, uh, and then, yeah, then it flowed as one thing. Um, and we actually had some, we had more tracks that were, I mean, they weren't completely finished, but, um, we could have made it longer, but if we felt that it just worked as those eight songs, um, as one piece, and, um, it's quite funny. We, the only real criticisms we've had from their sort of, you know, prog fans is that it's too short, but, um, and at the same, you know, it, but it just worked, you know, like we're really happy with how it was. And it now means we've also got a lot of material almost ready for a newer record sooner than, Two and a half years, hopefully. So, so I, know, I think when you've got like a bunch of tracks together that work well, I don't think it really matters for what the length is. Well, as long as it's not stupidly short, but, but yeah, we felt that it was worked. And I like I, that. I like yeah. that you did this, and you guys do put out EPs quite often. So, I mean, that's that's always a possibility with with a Tesseract fan. But like recently, between the Bear mm. and me, they they split their record in half, Automata, and mm. part one's like thirty five minutes. It's it's a short one, but by doing that, like mm. I really feel like I encompass that record much more than like, you know, Coma Ecliptic, which was like 78, 79 minutes, you know, you have to kind of break that up in a way sometimes. So I think for progressive metal or like Gent, as you were saying, you know, to have a 40 minute record isn't a negative thing. Yes. I know fans expect dream theater long records. I get that. That's, that's ingrained in them. Right. But like the point is that it doesn't always work though. Sometimes, you know, it's, you know, it's overwritten, you know, on, on a lot of that stuff. And what you guys did with this record is, is exactly like I'm talking about Automata One. Like I think that's perfect for the listener to engage in. You know, it's mm. it's and 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 for me to be able to start a record and then want to listen to it right back again, that's mm. a, a compliment. I think you guys should take it as. Where a 75 minute record, I'm telling you right now, I'm overwhelmed. Definitely, yeah. And until this record was done, I haven't really thought about it. But like with really really long records, apart from maybe some that I, was, I obsessed over when I was younger and yeah. you're generally more enthusiastic about. Um, music anyway not that I'm not enthusiastic you know like when you're young you become obsessive and see. but now I think I know quite often with longer records I'll, I'll stick them on but then my mind might wander I might start doing something else you know I, w- I won't have given it such a thorough listen because it's just so long um, yeah I think shorter records are easier to really get stuck into um, again because I think because of the way people consume music now, um, again, with social media and uh, Spotify and streaming and things like that, um, people tend to put less effort into listening to a record than you would have done one that's when you 
you know, went down to the shop, you bought it, you put it in a CD player. And, you know, because well, nowadays you listen to a record, you're like, oh, it's good. I'm going to listen to something else then. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think I think longer records can sometimes get a, a bit lost. I don't know. Maybe not. But no, they do with me anyway. I know, and I think I think like you said, just life is faster now. You know, that's why when you when you look at even mm. like Metallica or Iron Maiden, look at Hardwire. They split it up in two. It's a seventy minute record. Book of Souls. They split it up mm. in two. You can you can enjoy mm. half at a time, and you're more connected mm. with those records opposed to you know eighty five minutes of, of Book of Souls. That that's a lot, you know, or or Hardwire. You know, so no, I think I think that we as a listener, because of what you just said, is exactly correct. Like we. Because, yeah, I adore old typo no- negative records, and I expected them to be 80 minutes long and all these things. But, like, today, yeah. it, it's... And there's so much more music out there for us to experience, I feel, because there's so much media out there that the longer records might not get the fair chance. Yeah, so I, I know. I, I completely... Uh, I applaud that. And like I said, I think, um, you know, whoever's criticizing, they're going to criticize something, right? But, I mean... Yeah, I definitely think that you guys put out a great, fantastic record, lengthwise, music-wise, content-wise. It's great, and I and it's out now. So I hope everybody, if you haven't picked up the record, get out there right now. Um, and uh, you guys are currently on tour with, uh, I believe, Pliny and Asteroid. Is that correct? Yes. If uh, your listeners haven't checked out Pliny or Asteroid, make sure you do. Pliny is Pliny and his band are just like phenomenal musicians. It's like somewhere between sort of tech metal and jazz. It's just really. They're some of the best musicians I think we've ever toured with. They're, they're phenomenal to watch. They're like, um, it's really tasteful as well. Like they're just, they're just very, very skillful, great composers. Definitely, uh, check them out. And Astronoid, Astronoids are amazing. They're basically like, I kind of describing them as euphoric thrash. They're like, it's like quite major key, very thrash metal guitars, melodic vocals, and quite floaty atmospherics. So they're, they're like nothing I've heard before. So, um, I reckon, well, again, check out those two bands. What a fantastic bill. Yeah, guys. So if you're in the States, guys, May 1st, you guys are in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and then you guys are going to go down the West Coast up to Canada. So you guys do not miss that, mm-hmm. that, that, those shows. It sounds. And then we head back across the country. So we're pretty much playing, uh, yeah, everywhere Every... all over. So yeah, if check you, it out. If you guys go to your website, you guys, you guys got dates all the way till November, man, across the world. So people, yeah. don't miss, mm-hmm. don't miss out. So. Dude, I just want to thank you so much, man, for calling in and, uh, like I said, uh, talking to us here on the Metal Sucks podcast. Mm, no worries. Thanks for having me. It was a really great chat. Really enjoyed it.
the Metal Sucks Podcast.
Doesn't matter if it's punk, metal, or rock. Rockabilia is your one-stop shop for all band merch. They have over 500,000 items to choose from. Hard to find stuff that you can't get anywhere else with the largest selection of music merchandise available in the world. Doesn't matter if it's hats, shirts, autograph items, patches for your battle vest. Rockabilia will have you covered. And everything is officially licensed. Don't fall for the Chinese counterfeit band merch on Amazon or the targeted Facebook post promoting a bootleg product. If you support Rockabilia, you're supporting Supporting the artists. Been around since 1987 with 30 years of giving you the best memorabilia. And for special discounts, use the promo code PC Jabberjaw. So for your punk, metal, and rock memorabilia, there's only one place to go www.rockabilia.com. And we are back. First song is by Tesseract called King off their new record, Sonder. Go to metalsucks.net, guys. Uh, search Tesseract and check out the music video for that track. It's a, it's a cool video. Uh, second song that we played for you guys is from a band out of Detroit called Octopus. The song is uh, called Supernatural Alliance, and it is also the title track of their debut record, Supernatural Alliance. And uh, that record is out now. And I'll be honest, man, I just can't stop listening to it. So I'm really happy to share a track with you guys. Hopefully you guys dig it, man. That does it for this week, guys. I want to thank you guys again for all the five-star reviews on iTunes. Uh, you guys, we you're the best. We appreciate you guys so much, each and every one of you guys. Truly, man. So, so until next week, my friends. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.